Yeah, what up, y'all? This your boy, Flame, a.k.a. St. Luke. And remember, God does not need our good works, but our neighbor does, you feel? I say before you go, that extra note. <laughs> Welcome back to Extra Notes Academy. This is season number three. As promised, I will slide in the supplemental parts that will go along with the episodes. These are talks that I gave a while ago. So I confess the sound quality is nowhere near the same as it is now. So I apologize for that, but I tried my best to alter the sound and make it a little better and more discernible. It's not the worst, so you'll definitely be able to hear everything, but I pray that this will bless you as well. So enough talking, let's get into it. All right, so, so many people have been asking me about transubstantiation, consubstantiation, what do Lutherans believe, and why am I so lit about this topic? So I'm going to try to give you a little understanding of those things. Transubstantiation is the word that describes what Roman Catholics believe about real presence or the Eucharist. And consubstantiation is a word that's used to describe um, what people think Lutherans believe about real presence and the Eucharist. Um, so let's get into that. So I went to catholicscomehome.org to try to get from their language, what they believe. And I think that's a healthy way to sort of understand what somebody's trying to say is to let them say it. <laughs> so it says, Catholics believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, meaning that what appears to be bread and wine is really Jesus's body and blood, not just the symbol of his body and blood. So typically transubstantiation is a word used to describe that. So where it says um, Catholics believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, meaning that what appears to be bread and wine. So Roman Catholics hold to the idea that when you see bread and wine, it's only in appearance. However, what's really there is Jesus's body and blood not just a symbol of his body and blood. So Lutherans would agree with some of that. We would say, yes, Jesus is present bodily in the bread and wine. However, we would still acknowledge that it is bread and wine, whereas that the Roman Catholics would say it only appears to be bread and wine. So it transubstantiates in that regard. So that's what you know, Lutherans would disagree with, with the Roman Catholics, but we would agree with them in terms of Jesus's real presence there bodily. Consubstantiation is a word that's used to try to describe what Lutherans believe. So the idea behind consubstantiation is when Jesus is present bodily in the bread and the wine, then it takes on some new form. The bread and wine becomes this new thing altogether. And I understand, you know, why they would try to go there. However, Lutherans would not look for a philosophical way to describe what's going on, the way it's been defined in consubstantiation, which is in the bread and the wine is Jesus's body and blood. And it takes on this, this almost third form in existence. And Lutherans would say, nah, that doesn't get at or accurately describe what we believe because we believe 
that we can't understand or describe what's going on there. So you'll hear um, these prepositions like in, with, and under to sort of get at this mystery that's taking place at the Lord's table. So um, what we acknowledge is 1 Corinthians 10, where Paul is talking about idolatry and he goes into the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, it says, the cup of blessing that we bless. So he's acknowledging the wine in this cup. Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? So he, he, he doesn't seem to remove the reality of the cup, the wine. It is wine, but it's a participation in Jesus's blood. Then he goes on to say, the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? So again, he acknowledges bread that's broken, doesn't seem to take away from that reality. But then he also says, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? And then he goes on, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread, which leads me to my next point. All right, real quick. So if you want to learn more about ancient Christianity as preserved through Lutheran thought on important topics like baptism, the Lord's Supper, justification by faith alone, the law and the gospel, and so many other beautiful confessions, make sure you check out cph.org. There you'll find so many Christ-centered resources that'll help you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and the hope of the gospel. You will find books, Bible studies, devotionals, and some of my favorites like The Spirituality of the Cross by Gene Veith, Has American Christianity Failed by Brian Wolfmuller, to name a few. You feel me? Make sure you go to cph.org or you can go to cph.org slash flame and you will see a list of books that I've curated, that I've read personally, that have helped me out in my walk. So make sure you go there, tap in, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. You feel Why I'm so excited about this. Because there's this holy reality that at the Lord's table, we are being bound together as one body. It's, it's, a, it's a sweet mystery in which God unites us. He's the head. Jesus is the head. And we are his body. He brings us together at this holy meal. And I just think that's good for us to always remember that God is, you know, binding us together as a family as one body with Jesus as our head. That's a good thing, right? Why, why resist or fight this? <laughs> to cap it off, why I'm so lit, Jesus is binding us together with one another. He's binding us together with himself as his body and him as the head. But he's also forgiving us of our sins, right? Matthew 26, 26, let me go to it. It says, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. He's, he's feeding us with his own body, with his own blood. He's forgiving us of our sins. Why resist that? Why fight that? Why not draw on this extra nose reality, this reality outside of ourselves, whereby which Jesus 
brings forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's, that's a miracle that we benefit from. Nothing to fight, nothing to resist, no reason to be skeptical of a good thing that Jesus instituted. I know some people say that's cannibalism, that's cannibalism. No, it's not. Jesus had in mind the Lord's Supper, not eating his flesh, drinking his blood as it was, but as he instituted the Lord's Supper, we partake of his body and blood in bread and wine. That is not cannibalism. That is not a sin against Old Testament law. That is a, that is a misnomer. That is a caricature of what anyone who believes in real presence is actually stating. Roman Catholics, Coptic Christians, right? Lutherans, the like. None of us would endorse cannibalism. That is, that is a false notion that we all reject unanimously. So in terms of the unworthy manner, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So the unworthy manner is to approach the Lord's table with this flippant attitude. People just coming because they hungry or they just trying to sip some, get drunk or whatever, disrespecting the reality that this is Jesus's body and blood present in this bread and wine. That is the unworthy manner. And that's what Paul is recommending here. Anyway, much more can be said. Um, I hope that's helpful. I'm sure many more questions will arise from this discussion. And uh, yeah, let's keep talking about it. I say before you go, get that extra note.